the primary silver producers. I mean, there's a reason they've all become gold companies. You know, that to produce primary silver at these prices with where costs are now, it's it's it doesn't work. Well, hello there, my friends. Chris Marcus here with you for Arcadia Economics. As we dig on in and continue covering some of the events in the silver and economic world, no shortage of developments over the past couple of days. According today on Tuesday, March 14th, we had the CPI reading out this morning, which came in mostly in line with expectations. Of course, we've had some runs in the banking sector and a lot of chaos there, Fed and the FDIC guaranteeing the depositors. So a lot happening and fortunately to join me and dig into that as well as how this plays out and affects the silver world is Steve Cope of Silver Viper Minerals. So Steve, great to have you back on the show and how's everything going today? Yeah, it's, it's going well. It's nice to see metals prices have rebounded a bit here the last couple of days. It was pretty rough there for a few weeks, but um it's a very interesting world we live in, Chris, with what's going on right now out there. Yeah, well, fortunately, I mean, a lot of the things that are happening are not hopefully coming to a surprise to everyone out there. I mean, you and I have talked about that a lot over the past couple months where the Fed raising rates aggressively and the school of thought being that they raise rates until something breaks, which seemingly happened last week and um let me pull up today's silver chart again we're recording on tuesday silver had a big day on monday in response to the events of the bank run at silicon valley bank and other trouble in the banking sector and i guess a place i like to start when we dig in we've we've seen quite a bit of action as uh going back to the fall september and october silver down around 18 dollars got up to about 24 and a half uh, I'm wondering after a rally like that, if some pullback was to be expected and um, we did see that and now right under $22. So curious, any thoughts you have on everything that's happened over these past couple months, which leaves us at $22 or so today? Well, I mean, I still come back. I mean, the price is still way too low. It's It, it doesn't work for the silver the primary silver producers. I mean, there's a reason they've all become gold companies. You know, that to produce primary silver at these prices with where costs are now, it's it's it doesn't work. So if you don't have other metals in there, um your the companies are losing money. And and gold, I mean the margins on gold are getting tighter and tighter. And we're seeing, you know, companies out there starting to report costs that are having them, you know, barely break even. So it, it's something that has to happen and it has to it has to move up it, it's nice to see it you know after that pullback to to start pushing back up the right way but you know we've talked about 30 dollars silver for a very long time and and i think that's kind of if we're going to start with a number it's got to be 30 when we're talking about you know the supply side you know the stackers and and you know people that are just collecting obviously they can trade off of you know their entry points but if we're going to start meeting the supply demands that you know are needed here moving forward you know for electric cars and for solar and for the infrastructure these prices have to move way up from where we're at today yeah and obviously you mentioned that a lot of the silver coming as a byproduct of other metals how do you think uh, that some of these companies if if the price is ruling out primary silver projects how does that dynamic play out um obviously 
it's not like people are going to start mining more copper just specifically to get silver. But where do you think that leaves us? Does that just continue to exacerbate the gap? Or if if we have a silver price that stays around this range, $22, $24, how does that play out with the silver supply? And how do you think some of these non-primaries are, I know they're not necessarily up at night thinking about that completely, but how would that uh, play out in the silver supply? I mean, at, at 22, it's not going to, you know, they're not even going to be thinking about silver. <laughs> it's, it's a nice byproduct. It's great, but they're going to be focused on their primary, you know, metal, whether that's gold, silver, zinc, whatever, you know, whichever, you know, mine we're talking about. Silver at $22 isn't going to move the needle. Like you say, they're not going to ramp up and really target and hope that they can get a bunch more silver based on those prices. Now, if you start, again, if we move the needle to these much higher numbers, then then they may start to focus on their mine plans and, and change things to make sure they're, you know, whether it's a metallurgical thing or going through a secondary circuit, if it makes economic sense, you know, there's things they can do then, but, but again, we need, we need much higher prices for it to move the needle for the big mining companies. And then counter to that though, again, as we go back in the supply, you know, like you say, we keep, we're already operating in a deficit where, you know, year by year, it's an exponential growth for the demand for silver and what's needed, you know, across these various industries. And you're not seeing the investment into the juniors right now. You're not seeing, you know, the mining companies bringing on new primary silver mines. So you, like you keep saying, where's the supply going to come from? And it's not going to come from anywhere. It's just the deficit's going to grow and grow until we get to a, you know, appropriate pricing that sustained and gives the mining companies confidence to, you know, start to bring on these new projects that require much higher costs. Yeah. And interesting, you mentioned that deficit, which last year we had heard was 194 million ounces from Silver Institute. And they actually revised that up to 253 million ounces. So, I mean, we've talked about the factors of what is going on and that the silver price would seemingly have to go higher to meet that yet. Aside from the theoretical, what what do you see actually happening? Do we get to a point where there is a shortage of silver? Because again, even if we had the price thirty or forty dollars, there's that time gap between when any of those projects get brought online. So, any thoughts on? I mean, are we going to be a couple of years out from now and just it, we're holding back what we can do in the world, or? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, I think that's the worst case scenario is we just wait until there's no silver and then all of a sudden it's, you know, okay, this is what we have to pay to get it. But, you know, it comes back to the silver industry has been its own worst enemy, the producers. I mean, they've never been able to get together and say, look, this is what it actually costs us to produce this. This is what we're going to sell it for. Instead, you know, they are controlled by the paper market and and that pricing and, and they just kind of you know, cannibalize each other and compete to see who can lose the least amount of money. Or, you know, in the case of the large silver producers, they're gold companies now. You know, the new assets and the new projects they brought online weren't primary silver mines. They may not have had silver in them at all. You know, some of them have gone with some base metals. There's certainly been heavy gold content across the board. I, I think Pan American's production now is somewhere around 80% gold. Right. You know, and that's the number two silver producer in the world. So, you know, it's not a silver company anymore. It's a gold company. Um, that's going to have to change. But like you say, there's that gap in that timeline from, you know, financing, you know, the, the early stage juniors, because these 
big producers are terrible at finding new deposits. You know, they've historically never been able to do it. So they rely on smaller companies like ours to step in and de-risk early stage assets to a point that they're willing to buy them. But again, there's not a lot of assets out there that even, you know, have a decent resource right now that will move the needle on silver. So I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I think, I think before we get to that point of, look, there's just no silver, we've got to pay more. I mean, I think you're going to have to see, you know, even the paper market's going to have to allow the, the price to run because there is all this demand in the world for silver. So we'll see what happens. But if we do wait till it gets down and we have nothing left, then I guess you're going to have quite the dramatic spike in silver as people fight over those last, you know, few ounces that are left and while they wait for something to come online and start, you know, increasing the supply. But, you know, we've talked about that. There's just, there isn't, it's not out there. It's not out there in any of the undeveloped projects. You know, you've got a couple of large silver deposits in the world, but most of them are in jurisdictions where, or, you know, like Pan Americans Navidad never, you know, we're probably decades away from that ever seeing a government that's going to allow an open pit that's going to, you know, mine that project. They've got Escobar that at some point, you know, politically was a mine and existing. That's a large, you know, bump in silver for them. And that one will probably see in production sooner. But again, it's not going to happen tomorrow. If you're talking about, you know, undeveloped large silver assets, you know, they need the ones that I'm aware of need much higher. Again, what we've talked about costs to make it make sense economically. You can go down, you know, to projects like ours where we've got the gold and silver, but you're talking about the world supply of silver and what's needed, you know, it's a very, very small dent relative to what's needed for these various industries. So again, you know, whether it's, you know, the Dolly Vardens of the world projects like ours, they, they help and they're, you know, they're a good bump and they're certainly going to be very attractive takeover candidates for these companies. But, but we need, you know, those times a hundred times a thousand to get, you know, running to, start to meet that supply. So it's going to happen. We know the metals prices are going to go up. It's just a question of timing and when, you know, the powers that be allow that paper market to move, whether they position themselves that they're going to make money on that trade as they allow those prices to go up, you know, are they holding it down to acquire more of the physical on the gold and silver side? Is that why we keep seeing, you know, every time all the fundamentals say something should happen and things start to move, they get hammered back down. Is it because we're trying to replace the gold ounces and the silver ounces that have been, you know, lent out or are supposed to be there on the books that aren't there? I don't know. But at some point, those banks are going to align themselves and they're going to say, now's the time to make a ton of money off of physical silver and, and the price of silver. And then, you know, we'll all benefit from that. So, and I think that'll happen before they allow it to get to where there's just no ounces in the world. Yeah, and along those lines, I hear a lot of the people that I talk to on the show throughout the silver industry say that most of the easy deposits have been found and that it's just getting harder to find good projects. Is that match what you've been seeing? Uh, again, obviously, the price changes what is a viable project or not, but are there still deposits out there that even at a right price can make a substantial difference? There are a few, but they are. I mean, silver tends to happen high up in the systems and, and you know, the stuff that's at surface is easier to see. You know, you can go and you can sample outcrop and you go sample various things. There's there's lots of probably silver sitting there that's undercover close to surface. But again, economically, how are you going to find it? You know, now you've got to start 
you could run geophysics, but geophysics is extremely expensive to show you a potential spot. But if you don't have those obvious outcrops, you know, you're either going to get lucky drilling for something else or it's good. They're hard to find. So, you know, the, you can go into, we have, we have jurisdictions in the world that haven't really been touched for mining, but there's a reason they haven't been touched. You know, politically, they're very unstable. If you do find something, you're probably going to get your project taken away. So there's some supply that could be done at some point if, I know, you know, and those types of jurisdictions tend to be the bigger companies that can move in and, and have the ability to do business in those because they've got much deeper pockets to get stuff done. But, you know, there, there are some jurisdictions that you could bring on some supply of silver, but if you're talking about, you know, the traditional countries where silver comes from, you know, Mexico being number one, it's, you know, it's got a rich history and there's still lots more silver in Mexico, but it's harder and harder to find. And so, you know, the premiums on those good assets that can make money down at these prices. And again, I would say the ones that are going to make money down at these prices have to have a second metal, probably gold, you know, maybe a copper if you can find a big porphyry. Um, but yes, they are. They're much harder to find. And so there's less and less companies out there that have viable silver projects right now when you look at the junior space. Yeah, it is going to be an interesting environment to see how that all comes together. Not, not the easiest thing to do. And of course, in the meantime, we have inflation numbers, which are still well above the 2% Fed mandate. Again, on Tuesday, the CPI came out and was 0.4% in February, 6% from a year ago. So still well above the Fed's mandate. And I'm wondering, do you see an environment where, I mean, right now we have this whole, if inflation is high, that means the Fed is going to raise more. So we often see the metals sell off. But do you think we get to a point where eventually it stops mattering what the Fed does? And if prices just keep going higher, that silver decouples from the current school of thought and and just starts trading higher in response to people being concerned about what they're seeing with pricing? I think there's a couple things in that. Like one, one to me, I think silver is in its unique point in it. And we've talked about this in the past, but it is in a very unique spot in its history in that silver has always been tied to gold. It's always been, you know, on the way up, silver outperforms gold on the way down, you know, it gets hammered way worse than gold, but that's because silver has always only been treated, you know, on the monetary side. And, and this movement now and the uses and the demand for silver that we're talking about really start to, you know, silver's always going to have that, the monetary side, but, but the industrial side for silver now has grown so much, you know, more than it's ever been in its history. You know, obviously you go back and it was used in film, but that was still such a small dent in, you know, what silver was in a year. And now all of a sudden, like you said, with, with this green movement and solar and medical and infrastructure, everything you can come up with and all these uses for silver, that is why we're at this deficit that we're at, you know, it's, it needs to start trading differently. It needs to start trading based on its industrial uses combined with the monetary side and the demand, you know, the people that are stacking and that way, well, that's a huge side of silver still that's taking your supply, but it's this industrial side and how that's going to grow. That's going to send silver prices, you know, exponentially higher. 
unless we get back to currencies that are backed by gold and silver and, and we need to, because based on the supply, we need prices to be, you know, extremely higher, but both, both scenarios, you need silver at, you know, substantially larger prices to make it work. So I think, yes, there's going to be a hiccup on that. And again, I mean, I don't have any faith in the fed. I don't think a lot of the people here listening, you know, have faith in the fed. I've said from the start on this and I'm you know, as well as a lot of your other you know, people you bring on the show, but but this inflation and what they're doing, raising rates to stop the inflation that's actually happened, isn't going to work. You know, the, they've had, you know, they can come out and it can announce, okay, fuel prices came down. So it's great. We can manipulate that price and we can say inflation's slowing down for a few months. But the average person, I certainly go to a grocery store and you can't tell me that inflation is slowing down. Month by month, everything costs more and more and more and, and more and more people are going paycheck to paycheck or can't afford, you know, they're not even that they're, they're going under, you know, they're, they're selling their homes, they're doing what they can to cash out to keep getting by, but they're not making enough because salaries certainly haven't gone up over the last five, six years for most people, you know, people are taking second jobs, third jobs, they're getting their spouses to work just to get by. They're having less and less kids because that's, being a parent of two is very expensive especially in this world so again i mean we need prices to go up we need salaries to go up and we need you know it's not happening it's this there's this fed and what they're doing is not slowing down what's affecting the average person you know they can manipulate their numbers and say different things are happening but even they have to come out and finally acknowledge that you know inflation is still going up in spite of what they're doing so let's stop raising rates because it's just now all of a sudden we're shutting down banks. You know, we're putting people that have mortgages and we're making those interest rates so high that people can't afford their homes and they're going to start selling and, you know, setting up for another real estate bubble potentially. So, no, I mean, at some point we just got to stop, start ignoring them and focus on the fundamentals. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. It's not, not an easy predicament. And I guess that's why there's a lot of people who have been rewarding about the zero percent and quantitative easing policies for the past decade because i don't know if there is an easy answer now and that's why i think a lot of people are saying hey we shouldn't have been doing this for the past decade and now sure enough you have rates go up and there's problems in the banking sector curious uh, if you had any thoughts on what we saw out of silicon valley bank uh, over the past week where just Stunning to see a bank run, especially unfold that quickly. And it was interesting. I did talk with a physical dealer on yesterday's show who was mentioning that in terms of a single day, what they saw on Monday and perhaps late Sunday night may have exceeded even what uh, what they experienced during Silver Squeeze. So a lot of people concerned out there and certainly turning to gold and silver. Uh, so any any thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, again, it's, we've kind of talked about it. You know, if you keep raising rates, something's going to break, you know, and that, and so they had kind of gone into the end of last year saying, oh, maybe we'll slow down. And then all the inflation numbers were still up, but we're going to keep raising rates. And all of a sudden, you know, banks shutting down or, you know, these runs happening. And, and, you know, hopefully that is the trigger here that says enough's enough. We can't raise rates anymore, or we're going to see more and more of these. And so that's been very interesting, you know, to watch right after they spoke and said, you know, no, inflation's still up. We're going to have to raise rates more than we were previously expecting. You know, and I was pleasantly surprised up here in Canada to see our bank even before that, you know, say, no, we've been aggressive. We're stopping. 
So hopefully the U.S. follows suit on that and metals prices can get back to, you know, a normal environment. People can get more confidence in it. But, you know, it goes you, while you're watching, you know, basically the U.S. shoot itself in the foot and, and expedite the fall of the dollar. I'm sure the BRICS nations in Russia and China and, and you know, as they're setting up currency and saying we're not going to be trading in U.S., anymore creating our own currency they're laughing you know this is exactly what they want um and, and it's just further escalating the rate at which the u.s dollar is going to get replaced at least you know as the only you know trade currency of the world yeah we, we didn't even touch on that but in the midst of <laughs> inflation high banks melting down then you have the whole de-dollarization thing and Certainly not the ideal portfolio of circumstances out there. So um, I guess we buy some silver and pray is maybe the the way to handle this one. And uh, well, yeah, I mean, the people have been doing that for years that watch your videos. So they've had the right idea. I mean, they're, they're seeing what they were predicting slowly or maybe not so slowly unfold before their eyes and why they were doing it. And now it's just, a, you know, a matter of, watching the value of that silver go up. <laughs> that's the one part that's really been missing in the whole mix is everything they're predicting is happening and all the fundamentals get better and better. And at some point they're, you know, we're all going to get heavily rewarded for this industry and, and this investment focus that we all have. Um, it's just a matter of time. And, and again, I think it's coming a lot sooner than it is later, but we've also been saying that for a while. And, you know, oftentimes some of these things are out of our control, but it's going to happen, you know, and like I said earlier, it, it probably happens, you know, as these banks have aligned themselves to make sure they make a ton of money off when it does happen, but it will happen. And, and people, and when it does happen, these runs aren't quick flash in the pan runs like they are, you know, in a lot of the other commodities. When gold and silver take off, it tends to be, you know, multi-year cycles and, and the amount of wealth that is created during those cycles is amazing <laughs> it's, it's you know people that haven't been through them you know you can't appreciate how much wealth can be created quickly in gold and silver when you get into a bull run and everything's allowed to work the way it should yeah well it certainly seems like the conditions are in place i mean tack on a debt ceiling debate coming up uh, i guess we've already hit the the trigger on that now they're doing the accounting fraud to extend that no answers that I've heard on the funding of the rising interest expense as well. So certainly quite a bit going on out there and we shall see how that all unfolds. Although Steve, before we wrap up, was wondering if you could give us an update on how things are coming along with Silver Viper and uh, in particular, the Canisil deal, which they've had some updates on and perhaps you could catch us up to speed there. Yeah. As far as the Canisil deal, we, you know, we did our due diligence you know, the projects are very attractive, but we found things that we weren't happy with um, within the company. So we decided to walk away from that deal. We're still open to doing, you know, something on one of their projects. Um, we want to, right now we've got a financing out there that we're working on. We get, once we get that financing done, then, then we would possibly look at, you know, a very cheap transaction on one of the cancel assets. But, you know, it's why you do your due diligence and why you, you dive in is, you know, as great as all those projects looks, you know, there was things that we liabilities not that we weren't willing to take on as a company, especially in this market. Um, so we had to unfortunately walk away from that transaction. 
we, you know, we've always said, even through that transaction, though, that La Virginia was our flagship and our main focus. You know, we've got a resource that we've already would have expanded on. We're planning on, you know, coming out with a new resource probably towards the end of this year. Um, I, I believe that resource will take us over that million gold equivalent ounce or or 70 million silver on that resource would be the target when we do that resource. But we've expanded our Ruby already by 300 meters to the south. We, with our new geologist who's looked at the, the old resource, has a lot of ideas how she's going to bring in a lot of the high-grade ounces that were left out of that resource into a new resource. So I would expect the grade to increase while adding ounces to it. So excited to have that potentially come out at the end of the year. We you know the with this financing and we would budget a 5,000 meter program to start just to get us going again, drilling and testing El Ruby at depth and along strike. And then also our number one exploration target at El Molino that we've, you know, through this large mapping and sampling program we've been doing on the project for the last, you know, six to eight months, that target just continues to impress us. And, and we think we have a potential for another El Ruby at El Molino. So again, lots of potential for new discoveries. We're gonna, you know, catalyst with a new resource draw results around El Ruby and expanding on the existing resource. So it's, it's a very attractive project. It just, you know, this market, you know, when we were at a point of expanding, you know, the drill program, we had to slow down and just be cautious of what was going on in the market. It's uh, convenient. You have that slide up as well. You can see that final payment. We're in the act of renegotiating that at the moment. So I would expect that the cash component of that comes down dramatically as well for this year, just to again, make sure the money goes into the ground and is spent on where we're adding value. And we've had a great partnership with our guys um, on those blue claims in Mexico, which is what that payment's on. We own the red claims hundred percent, but they've been really willing to work with us. We're, you know, working through negotiating on what the new terms of that will be. We'll probably get staggered over a year or two years additional and with a lot less cash component to it and more shares. So, be excited stay tuned and look for a press release on that at some point but we're working on that as well um just to make sure again that we're adding value in the project where it belongs and conserving as much cash as we can for drilling and, and those you know that that area and aspect of the company all righty and steve uh, any final thoughts and also where people can reach you guys if they have more questions on the project or anything else that you're doing yeah, all our contact details are on the website that Chris has got pulled up there, www.silverbrightformerals.com. Um, you can reach out to us. All of our phone numbers are on there. Email info at silverbrightformerals.com is a great way to get a hold of Alicia or myself. Um, but yeah, please, please feel free to reach out and, and ask any questions. You know, we're still in this market. And if it's not, you know, one of the Canisil assets, we'd be interested in acquiring another early stage asset to complement La Virginia. But no matter what, La Virginia is always still going to be our focus. This is this is a special project. You know, we talked earlier in the video about all the things happening in the world and how few projects are out there that have exposure to silver. In our case, it's about 40% silver, 60% gold. Um, very, you know, attractive open pit heap leach operation to start and then going underground in our high grade structures afterwards. So again, stay tuned. There should be lots of news flow this year. You can invest in it at a price that I never thought we'd be back to. But again, it speaks to the market um, and where we've been at. So again, I think it's an amazing time if people have capital to deploy. Uh, it's one of the companies they definitely should be looking at. 
Well, appreciate you joining me again, as always, Steve, and certainly a lot going on out there and good to see that even in the midst of a tougher time in the silver market, moving things forward and hopefully get that new resource out later this year and people can find out and get questions answered at silverviperminerals.com and we'll look forward to catching up with you again soon, my friend. Sounds good, Chris.